Welcome, disciple makers, and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy, disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, which identifies six main ministries needed to be a healthy church. The Spark Conference, a total church strengthening event that allows you to access keynotes and breakouts all year long for ongoing training in your ministry area. Access it today at thesparkconference.com. We're also setting up learning communities across Georgia to sharpen, encourage, and resource leaders personally and professionally. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org discipleship. Don't forget, you can find our previous episodes on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and your favorite podcast platform. Now let's join today's broadcast. Hey everybody, welcome to today's broadcast. And this is a really cool one today. What we're doing is we're gonna talk about curriculum and deep dive. So if you're tuning in to this broadcast, what we're gonna do is just see what D-Life is about and, and really just kind of get to the meat and potatoes, nuts and bolts, whatever your phrase is, um, to just learn more about what it would look like uh, to do this as a curriculum, but learn more kind of maybe behind the curtain of, of how it came to be and all those kind of things. So we have the Wilkses on today. Uh, Bill and Rondi uh, are joining us, and uh, guys, thanks for for joining us today and taking time. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I think I see some Alabama back there in a picture, and I got my Tennessee representing. Ray, what are you representing over there? Skater time. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so, folks. So between all of us, we have offended the entire state of Georgia, and everybody just tuned out. We're off to a good start. Roll tide. <laughs> Roll tide. Uh, but um, man, we, we really want to jump right into it. And so, um, uh, Bill, I know you've been at this a long time. I'd love to hear just kind of a brief story of how God just brought you there. And I know you're the, the lead pastor at North Park Baptist Church and doing a great job over there and, and making disciples. So just kind of tell us you know, a real uh, synopsis, how y'all are a team and how you've gotten to this point. Uh, yes, uh, Rondi and I have been in ministry for 30 years and we've been at uh, North Park now for 21 years. I've been the lead pastor there and love it. It's a, a great church. And, you know, about six, six years ago, God really burdened my heart about uh, disciple making. Uh, we had a lot of good Bible studies, but uh, we were not, we really didn't have anything that was truly multiplying so we, we created D-Life, and uh, D-Life is built on the principle that disciple-making is not a program, it's a lifestyle. So that's really what God convicted my heart, that, that disciple-making should not merely be a program of the church, it should be the lifestyle of every believer. But how do we make that transition? Um, and so uh, God led me into a study of the four gospels, and I really just kind of retreated, got away, went through the four gospels asking one question, Jesus, how did you make disciples? And so every passage in the four gospels related to Jesus and his relationship with the 12, I began to take copious notes and pray over it and study over it, and that's kind of how D-Life was birthed, at, at trying to work toward creating a process of disciple-making that was as close to the way Jesus did it as we could possibly do. And I had some goals in mind. You know, when we think about D-Life, uh, one of the goals was for it to be simple. Uh, in order for it to be reproducible, it's got to be simple. 
So DLIF is a very simple process. And I think some people stumble over that because it's mm -hmm. so simple. They're like, could this be effective? But the reality is the simplicity of it is what makes it effective. And people that do it, that's what they love. Is it simple? Uh, the second thing is biblical. The Bible is the only textbook that we use. We believe in not only the inerrancy of the scripture, but we believe in the sufficiency of scripture. And so many people use other people's books for discipleship. And so we wanted to use the book. And so uh, the life is all about reading the Bible systematically, discussing the Bible. Uh, third, D-Life is missional. You can't disciple people in a classroom only. True mm -hmm. discipleship requires a lab, and the world is our lab. So to lead a discipleship group well, you have to get outside the walls of the church and do ministry and evangelism and train your people to do that. So D-Life incorporates a missional element. Fourth, it's multi-generational. Uh, we miss a lot of the Titus II type of disciple-making, where Paul said, the older men should train the younger, the older women, the younger. And so uh, in D-Life, we, we encourage uh, multi-generational groups. Don't age grade. You know, let there be uh, a multi-generational discipleship group. And then the fifth and most important element is reproducible. We want a process that would be easily, highly reproducible. Uh, we could train grassroots believers how to do it. You don't have to have the gift of teaching. And so that was... Um, that was a, those are the five things that were very important part of, of the DLIF uh, process. Well, Ray, I, I now want you to, to drill down on this statement. You know, uh, we're not doing discipleship, but we're making disciples, you know, and I know they use that in DLIF. And so um, there's, there's a big difference between those two statements um, as we kind of gear towards looking into this. But what would you say that would be? Yeah, you know, I, I think we say it a lot on our team. I, I, I know Matthew Gibbs was just talking about this the other day and, and that we're we're kind of shying away from using the term discipleship because when I talk to people about discipleship, the first thing that comes to our mind is kind of this, this classroom idea, this learning. It's just about knowledge. If, if I have more knowledge, then I'm a disciple of Jesus. And, you know, Jesus called us to make disciples. And so, you know, do you have the knowledge to become that, that character and conduct of Christ so that you can reproduce that in others. And, you know, we were talking today, we saw a survey just came out from Lifeway that, that basically said eight out of 10 pastors that they surveyed, you know, felt like they could do better in discipleship, but they were fairly satisfied uh, with discipleship in their churches. And, and my question is, is that just the knowledge aspect? They satisfied that people are getting the information but when we really drill down and we say, are we making disciples who make disciples? That's at 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. We talk about it all the time where Paul tells Timothy, you know, what you have learned from me, you know, teach to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so many people in our churches today do not have that ability or don't feel like they have that ability or trained to be able to lead somebody else who can lead somebody else. So disciple making, discipleship, I think they're two different things. And great word, Pastor. Mm -hmm. And um, we... We really, um, we really do embody that here on our team, and we'd love to hear your thoughts about mm -hmm. that. If you want to write that in the uh, chat, if you're watching this live with us on Facebook, um, we also do this on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. We record every one of these, and we also have our audio podcast, but we'd love your feedback on, on the differences between those two and maybe what you've said in your church in that. So um, I want to dive right into it. So, so tee it up for us, um, Rondi and, and Bill, and just kind of tell us a little bit about what the curriculum looks like, and then kind of go from there. Yeah, uh, the curriculum that we use, and the curriculum is merely the tool that um, 
gives the disciple making process a smooth track to run on because we, we want people to understand that D-Life is not merely a curriculum. A curriculum is just a Bible study like you're talking about. But D-Life is a true disciple making process. And there is a curriculum that allows you to train your people how to do the process. Most, most people need a tool to help them live out the process. So we have D-Life Online, which is a, a D-Life that you can purchase for your church. And you have a link that everybody in your church can log in to your online D-Life. And, and it provides you with a weekly study guide for your uh, your D-Life group that has your Bible reading plan, and then it has on the back your weekly group meeting and how you lead your discussion and how you involve your people in your prayer request. And so this is just one sheet a week, and you can uh, print this one sheet off uh, for 52 weeks. You've got this one sheet, so this is the simplicity of it, and your D group would use this one sheet to do their Bible reading and their weekly meeting. And so uh, we have these for four years. So we've got four years of, of the curriculum, one sheet a week for 52 weeks. Now, for those who don't like, you know, to use the, the one sheet a week, we have the D-Life Journal. And so all of these sheets are in a book format in the D-Life Journal. So you can do the online version, print off the sheet, or you can, you know, get, get the journal and have it for the whole year. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I got my first, you know, so I, I, I'm a touchy-feely. I like the books. I like to hold it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the PDF version is fantastic. And like you're saying, it's very inexpensive um, as far as curriculum goes for getting it into the hands of those leaders and getting people involved. What were you going to say, Ray? Hey, can I jump in here? I, I've got a question because, you know, when Bill said that, it just made me think. One of the things that I hear from pastors all the time, and Bill, you mentioned it, you said in your D group. So when we're, when we're looking at this, what type of groups are we talking about? Because, you know, a lot of the pastors that are going to be watching this maybe have Sunday schools, and they're going to be saying, hey, could this translate into my Sunday school? Is this something we can do with our Sunday school classes? Or is this really more specifically for that next level of a D group? What, what would you say to that? It is really something that you can tailor into what your strategy is, uh, I'm going to be doing a D-Life boot camp for Alan Taylor up at First Baptist Concord, and he's having his D-groups that come out of his Sunday school classes. He's calling them inner circles. What I call a D-group, he's going to call an inner circle, and he's going to use D-Life for his inner circles. Now, at North Park, we, we see, we do it separately. We have C-groups that we call connect groups. That's our Sunday school. Those meet on Sunday morning. Those are low level of accountability. They're gonna connect in fellowship. They're gonna connect in Bible study. They're gonna connect in ministry and care, but there's, there's not really a high level of accountability. They're larger groups. There'd be 20, could be 20, 30 in a group. And then we train D group leaders to lead groups of three to five, three to five people where there's a high level of accountability. You're gonna be held accountable to read your Bible every day to write an application point. You're gonna be held accountable to do six ministry evangelism projects outside the walls of your church. And, and so we use our Sunday school as kind of like a fishing pond to start D groups and, and to take people to the next level. 
so to speak, right. and where true disciple making is taking place in D groups, where in our connect groups, it's more about Bible study and fellowship and caring for people. Good. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Yes. That, that's, you know, we, we need that. That's very important in our groups. We want to have people in relationships, but maybe that, that, that missing link is what we're talking about here, where we're going to that yes. next place. And I guess that's where a lot of pastors are like, well, how do I do that? What can I do to help people start those groups? And so, yeah, so that's what we're well, learning today. Great stuff. Well, and we looked at our churches in Georgia and 88% of them are considered small, small churches. And so my buddy, John, who is a Bivo pastor, he runs a full-time jewelry store, family jewelry store in his town and is very busy. And he's got five kids. And he said, man, I don't know what to do on Sunday nights. How am I, how am I going to, what, what can you give me to help me on Sunday nights? I only have so many hours to prepare sermons. I only have so many hours to prepare another Bible study. What can I do? And I said, well, there's this thing called D-Live. Now, I, now there, you can apply it a lot of different ways, but I, yeah. a starting point for you might just be do it, you know, with your family. You know, read, read the Bible with your family. You all do it together. And then on Sunday nights, you come back and you talk about it. And then you get a couple more people interested in that. And then you could start a D group, you know, that meets during the week or a different time. And, and you know, you say things in passing. You never know if a pastor is going to take it up on it. Well, I came back several months later and, and preached on a Sunday. And he said, this is the guy that changed our Sunday nights and that y'all enjoy. And I'm like, what? You know, like, this is fantastic. They, because At least the they enjoyed it. Yeah, they enjoyed it. It's so it's so easy, but it's also meaty um, that they're able to apply it to a Sunday night setting where, where many of us would say, I don't know if Sunday nights can happen anymore. This pastor is like, man, this is, I got people here. So let's give them Jesus and let's also give them like a, a replicating experience. So so y'all walk us through what that, that group looks like, what, what, a, what a meeting looks like. Okay. okay. Well, there are six priorities of, of D-Life, six parts of the process that Jesus modeled. And these all come out of the lifestyle of Jesus. And those six processes are fellowship, teaching, prayer, ministry, multiplication, and accountability. So the first thing you would do is if you're a D group leader, you got to get a group. You know, you, you don't have a classroom that people are going to show up and fill in chairs. So what did Jesus do? He prayed first. He went up on a mountain and prayed all night. God, who do you want me to ask to to be in my D group. And then he came down and called 12. And so uh, he went to them one-on-one and, and invited them and they, you know, agreed. So that's what we have to do. We have to pray and we have to go, you know, get a group together. And I, I like to train people that you want to try to create diversity in your group. You, you don't want to just get three or four of your best friends that are already mature believers and, and go, I mean, what, what are you accomplishing there? So you want to have at least one other mature believer to help you lead the group and somebody that you can prepare to multiply. But you would also love to get a brand new believer that really needs discipleship or even a struggling believer that may be struggling with uh, some kind of an addiction or, uh, you know, some issue going on in their life that need to get in the word and need to have accountability. And in D-Life, we train also, you'd love to get an unbeliever, someone who is not in church, but loves you, would be willing to hang out with you. Hey, would love to study the Bible, but they don't want to go into the big, scary church building, you know, but they might meet you at your home or a coffee shop, and, and you can organically lead them to Christ. So you get your group together, and then teaching, we'll, we'll talk in a minute 
about how we do the teaching. It's a very interactive process. There's not a lecture. Uh, the thing, here's a word I want to say to all pastors that you would love about D-Life is as a pastor, even if you're a bivocational pastor or just a busy pastor, you don't have to study to do D-Life. You can do D-Life out of the overflow of the years you've already studied the Bible. Uh, I do my, I read my one chapter day, five days a week and write my application point down, but I can lead D-Life out of the overflow. So I, I spend all my week studying for my sermon, but I lead two D groups a week. I disciple two different groups of men and I love it. And I don't have to do a lot of preparation for it. It's just more relational. So we'll talk about how we do our teaching. And then prayer is the third element. We always pray. It doesn't matter if we're meeting at Chick-fil-A or Cracker Barrel or wherever we're meeting, we're gonna pray. And we've had a lot of opportunities of people that walk over and Rondi has a neat story about, she had a D group that was meeting at a Panera Bread and the lady walked over and saw him praying and it just gave him a great opportunity to minister. And then ministry, uh, we always do our six ministry projects a year outside the walls of our church. Every D group plans their own ministry projects and does those. And then multiplication. So I'm, al I'm always trying to multiply at least one time a year. I've, I've got one person in my group of five that I'm trying to get ready to launch a new group. And then accountability, we'll talk about how we do accountability. So there's a high level of accountability in D-Life. So those are the six processes. So if we were going to start a D group, and Rondi, uh, Rondi has a D group where we talk about the multi-generational uh, element. Rondi has a D group of a lot of young. Why don't you tell them about the D group that you have? Okay, I'd love to. Um, I have a, the privilege to meet with about, we we're about at, we're at 13, which is it's way time to multiply. <laughs> it's time to multiply, but um, just precious um, young moms. And they're, they all had a baby during COVID. And so that is really the reason why we have stuck together um, this long, because we were meeting all through COVID and they were all having babies. But they are just precious. Every time um, a young mom comes into our church, I just, can't help but to snatch her up and bring her to our D group. So I have the privilege to train these young moms, helping them to get in the habit of reading their Bible on a daily basis and just nourishing their hearts and minds with God's word of truth. And, mm -hmm. and then being able to train them to later go on and, and multiply and be able to make disciples. And so they are so excited and, um, and I don't normally, you know, this isn't a diverse group. It's very particular. It's it's young moms, and I'm the I'm the old woman <laughs> in the group um, who looks it, like a young mom. <laughs> absolutely, but it, it's just it's so much fun. I can't even tell you. In fact, tonight we are going on a D life retreat, a night away, and get to pour into them all um, weekend. So I'm super excited about that. But it, it's just it's so much fun, and it is just the absolute joy of my heart to get to pour into these young moms and to see them grow and to read God's word. And then even more important than that is learning how, how they're going to make a difference in the next generation by learning that they are, if they're a follower of Christ, they're a disciple maker and that's their supreme purpose in life. So that's what we're doing. And, and it, it's phenomenal. It's so awesome to see what God is doing. And um, it's such a simple process. You know, I'm a busy pastor's wife. I have a lot going on. But this 
just doesn't take too much time. It's just such a joy. And um, I think everyone should be doing this. It's, it's our, it's, yeah. it's everything in life. It's our supreme purpose in life. So, um, and it's, it's so a simple. Beautiful model of multi-generational uh, discipleship. We've already raised our three boys. We have grandparents and Rondi uh, is, what I say? We, we have, have grandparents. grandparents. We do we, have grandparents. We have grandchildren. <laughs> and so we, uh, you know, Rondi's pouring into them and it's beautiful. And so, so you know, creating that that uh, Titus 2 is what we've missed out on. A lot of our older, our senior adults in our churches, what do we think? What do we think about senior adult ministry? Well, we put them in classes with other yeah. senior adults and we put them on buses and take them to see flowers. And it, what they're the greatest resource we have to, to, to uh, do disciple making. And if we could train them how to pour their life into the next generation, they have life experiences that the younger generation doesn't have. They've been through things that their faith has walked them through. So we want to train them and and uh, and and lead those groups. So back to the curriculum. Did you have yeah, questions? Yeah. Well, no. I was just going to say, Bibles up, apps open, and uh, and let's go. Let's do yes. it. Okay. I'm, I'm taking I'm taking notes. I have a lot of comments and questions, but let's do oh, okay, the curriculum. Go go go. All right. Let's go. Let's go. We would figure out when we're going to meet, where we're going to meet. We can meet anytime, anywhere. Um, and so I have a group that meets in my backyard on Thursday nights. I have a group that meets at the church on Wednesdays at four. And so, there, so there's no limit to when you can meet and where you can meet. And when I start a group, I would either get them a journal or I would get them to log into the online version. And I would explain to them that in year one, you know, we're, we're simply going to read through the New Testament together. We're going to read through the whole New Testament in one year by reading one chapter a day, five days a week. And I will say now, you know, there's no reason you can't read one chapter a day, five days a week. So we're going to hold each other accountable to that. And I would teach them how to write their application point down every day. So they're going to write an application point down from every chapter they read. And we use five questions to teach them how to do that. Is there a sin to confess? promise to claim, attitude to change, command to obey, or example to follow. So they're going to take their uh, study guide, and every day they're going to either circle the S at the top, I see a sin to confess, write it down. Or they could circle the P, I see a promise to claim, write it down. So when they come to the meet weekly meeting, they're going to have one of the five uh, things and an application point for every day. And then we're going to have four assignments every week. You're going to have somebody that comes to the group prepared to lead the group in prayer. Somebody's going to come prepared to tell the story that we're covering because <laughs> you're going to have a story every week, one story a week that comes from the five chapters you read. So every week there's a unique story that comes out of your reading. The first week it's Fishing for Men, Matthew 4, 18 through 25. And you're going to have somebody come prepared to tell that story in their own words, just like they were going to tell it to children, a very brief uh, paraphrasing of the story. Then you're going to have somebody read it out of the text to make sure that the person that told it, you know, covered the details and we just to read the story. And then you've got about 15 or 20 questions every week that are unique to that story that help you dive into that story 
and discuss the meaning of it and discuss how we apply it to our lives. And so you'll have four assignments, a pray, pray it, tell it, read it, and facilitate it. And usually if I start a group, I'll facilitate the first five or six weeks, and then I start letting others facilitate. So I'm, so I'm training them for multiplication as we go. See, those rotating responsibilities, they, by the time they've done that for a year, I mean, they're ready. They know how to lead the group. So what I thought we would do is just kind of model that if, if y'all want to do it. So yeah. if we're a D group, now most of our D groups are gender specific. They're all men or all women. Now, some churches do uh, co-ed groups and you could do co-ed. So we're going to be a men's group. We're going to let Rondi jump in this time. All right. We're going to let her be a guest. So, so I'm going to uh, ask PJ and what we would do, we first get together, like we would get a cup of coffee and fellowship a little bit, just have a little bit of time hanging out, talk about our week, talk about, you know, the, the SEC football or what, whatever we want to talk about. And then usually the way I transition the group into our D life time is I say, well, hey, guys, let's talk about prayer requests. So when I say that, they know, OK, now we're moving into D life. And so you have a place to write your prayer request down every week. So we'd go around the group and everybody would, add, you know, give their prayer request. And then we have somebody that would lead us in a prayer over those prayer requests. So we're not going to do that uh, right now for the sake of time. But one thing that we train all of our D groups to do every week is to pray for revival and spiritual awakening in our land. We need that. So I'm going to let PJ open us up with praying for revival and spiritual awakening in our land. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to, to learn about this curriculum. But Lord, we do pray for revival. We pray that your word would spread amongst the land, Lord, that your truth would permeate through all the challenges that we see in our culture. And God, that our churches would be the beacon of light in their communities, um, Father, and that revival would uh, break out, Father, that we would see um, your church making disciples. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, PJ. So we pray no matter where we are every week. And when I was in seminary, I went to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My favorite professor was Dr. Roy Fish. And Dr. Fish taught in his spiritual awakenings class that one thing has preceded every great spiritual awakening in the history of the world. And that was a grassroots movement of people praying and crying out to God for revival. So through D-Life, we train every D-group that every time you meet, you never meet without praying for revival and spiritual awakening. So we're trying to create that grassroots movement because, guys, we need revival and spiritual awakening. And so we're, we're praying for that. So after the prayer time, as the leader of the group, whoever the leader of the group is, will ask the two accountability questions we ask every week. Number one is, is, did you read all five chapters this week? Did everybody read all five chapters? So we look everybody in the eye, you know, did you read them? And, uh, and, and that's how you create the uh, habit of systematic Bible reading. Most people in your church don't read their Bible daily. You may think they do, but they don't. But in D-Life, you will start reading your Bible daily or you'll drop out because every week we say, did you read your Bible every day? Now, if somebody is struggling with that, I will teach them how to use the YouVersion Bible app and how to listen to their chapter every day. I'll say, listen to it on your way to work. And if they can't even do that, then I'll say, 
hey, Ray, what time do you want me to call you this week? And they'll say, what? Well, why are you going to call me? Because I'm going to read this chapter to you. So what time do you want me to call you? And they're like, okay, all right, I got it. I'll read it. So, so our goal is to get people to read the Bible every day, to learn to get that in their lifestyle, that habit. And so we ask that question every week, every week, did you read your five chapters? And then the second accountability question is, what were the application points that you wrote down? Share with us some of your application points. So that's how we know if they really did read it, right? Because if they really read it, they're going to have some of their application points they want to share. So what you would, if you were in a, if we were in a D group meeting and we did that, you'd hear people say something like this. When Matthew 3, uh, I saw a sin to confess where John the Baptist refused to baptize the Pharisees because of their hypocrisy. And when I read that, I felt convicted about some hypocrisy in my own life. And then someone else might say, well, in Matthew 5, I saw a command obey where Jesus said that we're to be the light of the world and not hide our light. And sometimes when I go to work and I'm in a certain environment, I don't let my light shine the way that I do. So one of the most fruitful parts of our D group meeting every week is hearing what the Holy Spirit has laid on the heart of everybody as they've read their five chapters that week. So we'll spend a good you know, 15 or 20 minutes letting the people in the group share, you know, their application points. And, and it's amazing. I mean, to take a brand new believer and, and hear them begin to already start finding those things they're getting out of God's word. So after we do that, then we tell the story, we read the story, and we facilitate the story. So after we've had a few minutes of sharing our application points, I start, well, let's go into our story. And this week, our story comes from Matthew 4, 18 through 25, uh, about fishing for men. So the very first story is about disciple making. So I've asked Rondi to come prepared to tell the story. So Rondi, okay. tell the story. I love to tell you story. Now, guys, I don't normally lead any groups with men in them. So I just want to clarify that. You're okay? out of your comfort zone. Well, I, I'm not out of my comfort zone, except that I'm not teaching you anything. I'm just, I'm telling you a story. Okay. So here's the thing. This is a great story. Uh, Jesus is around the Sea of Galilee. He's walking around and he'd been praying, you know, what he, who was going to call. And so here he comes upon um, Simon, Peter and Andrew, two brothers, and he approaches them while they're uh, casting their nets and they're doing their job and and just on their daily day you know what they do and Jesus says to them something really important he says follow me well immediately those guys yeah. take off and follow Jesus and then as Jesus goes down the way he meets two more brothers and um, he meets uh, James and John and they were there um, doing their job too fishing and Jesus says to them, I want you to follow me. And those guys get up and leave their dad, Zebedee. They left their boat. They left their father, left their job. And they took off with Jesus and followed him. As Jesus continued on, he um, was preaching. He was healing all kinds of diseases and sicknesses and just doing all kinds of amazing stuff. And, um, and, and that's where this story leaves us. It's kind of just like a little paraphrase of what we read this week. So, um, so let's talk about it. Awesome. So good job. Very brief telling of the story. And the good, the fun thing about this, this is an easy way to get a brand new believer involved. Uh, they can tell the story, even an unbeliever that's in your group, that's willing to do this, could tell the Bible stories. 
and you're 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 going to hopefully in a very short time be able to lead them to Christ. So after you tell the story, we've we've got to our third assignment is reading it. So we always read it, even if the person that told it really told it well, we still read it. So I've asked Ray to come prepared to read it. So Ray, if you'll read it, Matthew 4, 18 through 25. Yes. Yeah, so while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with their with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left their boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Awesome. Thanks, Ray. So we've prayed, we've told the story, we've read it. Now I'm going to facilitate using the 15 or 20 questions that are provided. But if, you, if you're doing this at work and you've only got 45 minutes and you need to do it in a shorter time, you can pick three or four questions. And that's what I'm going to do. Uh, today. I'm just going to pick some of the questions. So the first question is always one just to kind of get everybody in a real easy, you know, get everybody in question. So question number one is if some, if we wanted to go fishing today, we would go out here to lake and catch some fish. What different tools or equipment would we need to take in order to catch some fish? So what would we need to take? Right. You're the fisherman. Oh yeah, man. We got to have some tackle. We got to have some bait. Yes. Need to need to have I, some. I just remember from some previous talk something about a Zebco something. A Zebco yeah. thirty three, yeah. Thirty three. Learned 202. to fish. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't hurt to have a boat, you know? Yeah. That'd be good. Um, gotta have some tools. Gotta have some tools. Yeah. So the second question is, how hard would it be to catch fish without any of these tools? Not happening. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not a grizzly bear, so I'm not getting down there. Yeah. <laughs> we we probably couldn't do it. All right. So in our story, this is the next. We always have one sentence that kind of paraphrases the story. So in our story, Jesus is fishing for some men to be his first disciples. All right. So here's the question. Who were these men and what fishing tools did they leave behind to follow Jesus. So number one, who were these men? Scripture tells us they were, they were just fishermen. They were just mm -hmm. average guys. Um, mm -hmm. Jesus encounters along the way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, and I would imagine that, you know, they, they built lives with these tools, you know, they, they woke up every day, they took care of them. They went to bed. I mean, they, they, they cherished those tools, uh, but would have left those physical tools there of fishing to follow Jesus for a different kind of fishing. Yeah. 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 You know, the thing that really jumps off the page at me, I mean, leaps off is that these men were very common, ordinary men. And these were the men that were 
the foundation of the New Testament church. I mean, these were the first disciples. We're still here today doing what we do because of these men. And they were not preachers. They were not trained, uh, highly educated. They were fishermen. They were blue collar. And that tells me something. If Jesus chose these men to be his first disciples, and he said, I'm going to train you to be fishers of men, anybody can do it. The common person in our churches today can learn how to be disciple makers. I mean, that's right there. And they left everything. It was a high priority. They left their nets, their boats, their dads. Mm. So here's the question we got to think about. So they left all those fishing tools to follow Jesus. The next question is, what kind of tools would Jesus begin to teach them to use to fish for people? PJ. <laughs> Listen, I know that when a pastor is in a group, you're, you're supposed to let him speak first. <laughs> I know. I, said, I, don't, I don't want to take over. I'm just, yeah. That's why I'm PJ. That's what we I'm call gonna, that pause. You yeah, know, I know. That was a great pause. We just wanted to model the awkward silence for everybody. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to be that guy that says, can you restate the question again? Because I think I, I, missed, I missed the connection point. So say it again for me. Yeah. Well, he was carrying this uh, great thing that he kept going around the, the gospel. Yeah. He, was, he was sharing yeah. the gospel. And um, he was giving them tools of um, how to come along with people and, and loving them and healing them and touching them. And he was sharing the gospel. So those are some amazing tools that, yeah. that Jesus was modeling for these guys while they were on their job training. And I think, you know, he, uh, that's great, Rodney. And I mean, he, he gave them himself. He says, come follow me. Mm -hmm. Come spend time with me. Come be with me. So he gives them an example. He gives them encouragement. Um, you know, we know they don't know at the time, but he gives them God, you know, the presence of God, mm -hmm. you know, with them. Same thing we have, you know, today that God wants to spend time with us. He wants a relationship with us. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And yeah. you, uh, you read there where he was, he took the 12 out and he was casting out demons. He was healing the sick. He was ministering to the least of these. And so one of the tools of disciple making is personal ministry. Yeah. showing the love of Jesus in practical ways to people. That's kind of the bait, you know, so to speak. And then, as Rondi said, it said right there in the text we read, he went everywhere preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So one of the most powerful tools that Jesus taught us to use in disciple making is the gospel of the kingdom. So the next, one of the next questions is, what is the gospel of the kingdom? What what is the gospel? What is it? We answered the last one, PJ. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to sit here and observe because you know, I had a hard week working at Walmart, and I only read one of my chapters, and I won't be shamed in front of everybody. All right, guys, this is a slow pitch softball. We should be able to knock this one out of the park. Right. What is the gospel of the kingdom? It's the good news, right? The good news, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is that good yeah. news? What are the elements of that good news? I think it's a good news that God seeks a relationship with his yes. people, and he's willing to do what it takes to, to bring us back into relationship with him, and he's willing to do that himself. Yes. Um, 
it, that's that's man, that's good news to me. Yes. Well, it, it's an eternal it's an eternal uh, commitment, and it's it's love God, love others is where I went in my mind was just yeah. like the uh, how do we sum up this law that we've been living under? You know, and when he says love God and love others, that's a big part of the gospel. Like it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a pretty revolutionary change. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's good. And I, I was, you know, he keep he asked he asked them to follow him. Um, obviously, mm. we need to follow him because we, the gospel, you know, says that we are sinners and that we need to repent. We need to understand that God loves us. He's he's making he made a way for them to have a relationship, mm-hmm. a personal relationship with the living God. And um, so that's what that's what he was introducing to them. That's what he was introducing to all those people. The gospel. Yeah is that we need a savior and they were looking for that and Jesus invited them to follow him just like he invites us to follow him and accept his um that he died for us on the cross and that he offers us eternal life and that's the gospel and so that's what um those were the things that Jesus was inviting them to was to follow him yeah, the nuts and bolts of the gospel are the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, right? That we can't save ourselves. We have to believe in him. Mm-hmm. So he went everywhere preaching the gospel, and they heard him, and then they went out later and shared the gospel. So one of the most important tools of disciple-making is the gospel. I, I tell people all the time, you can be an evangelist without being a disciple-maker, but you can't mm. be a disciple maker without being evangelist. That is so you true. You can't be a disciple maker without doing evangelism. And so a mm. part of disciple making is sharing the gospel with people. Well, the, the two more questions and we'll finish. Uh, would one of you be willing to share your personal testimony of when you first opened your heart to the gospel? What is your story? When did you first open your heart to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who, who would like to share that? I'll jump in first, you know, before okay. I get saved by everybody else in this group. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I accepted Christ when I was 10 years old and, and was baptized by my dad. Um, but my faith really became mine um, in high school. And then when I went away to, to college at the University of Tennessee and uh, through the events of September 11th, God revealed to me just that people were dying and going to heaven and hell. And what was I doing about it? And that foundational moment changed everything about the course of my life. I was a mechanical engineer and and was going to be happy being a participant in church. And and I no longer could just participate. I I felt called to lead. And so it radically changed my life. And that's how I'm here in Southwest Georgia with a few moves in between. And the the gospel actually reaches people at the University of Tennessee. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody's chatting in right now. They really need it. I, I hear it. Right. We're, we're going to keep, we're going to keep praying for a revival. <laughs> Tennessee. So good. Good job. All right. Well, the last question is, as we join together in our D group, how will this help you to become a stronger follower of Christ? And how can D life be a tool that helps you fish for others? So let me answer that, you know, guys, we're going to hold each other accountable. All of us, to read the entire New Testament this year. We're going to read it slowly, one chapter a day, five days a week. We're going to write an application point down from every chapter we read, and we're going to discuss 52 stories of the New Testament. I mean, guys, you can't study the Bible that in-depth and not grow. So if we do this, we're going to grow, and we're going to hold each other accountable to that. We're also going to go out and do 
six ministry projects together. We're going to go do some nice things for people, show the love of Christ, look for opportunities, share the gospel. That's going to help us grow. And then how can this help us be better fishers of men? Well, there may be another man or two that we think of that wants to join our group. You know, we can take one or two more in. And so if you think of somebody that's a new believer or struggling and they really need to be a part of this, uh, we, we could get another guy or two in. But also, my goal for each one of you is that not only are we going to go through this in a year, but my, my prayer is in, in a year is that, that maybe every one of us will be ready to launch out and, and start our own group. And so you'll, you'll learn how to do this. And so what is four people right now uh, in one group, we hope will be 20 people in four groups, you know, in a year from now, because our goal in this is to multiply and we'll have to fish for a lot of new people in order for us to uh, start those new groups. So guys, I look forward to this. We're gonna have a great time doing this for a year together. We're gonna have a lot of fun. And so next week uh, we'll read Matthew uh, six through 10. I, I want you to read one chapter a day. Don't wait on the night before D-Life and read all five chapters, all right? We'll read <laughs> one chapter a day, five days a week. And uh, we're gonna hold each other accountable to that. And then next week, um, I'm gonna ask Ray, if you wouldn't mind, to uh, to pray our, our prayer uh, next week, if you would lead our prayer time. And Rondi, if, if you don't mind reading it, read the text next week. And I will come uh, prepared to tell the story. And PJ, I'm going to let you facilitate the Bible study next week. Does that sound good? Sounds great. All you right. Sure? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I love, and I love that part of this <laughs> curriculum. <laughs> yeah, well, I love that part of the curriculum is looking forward every week, you know, to, to what somebody's going to come and do next week. So it's expectant that I'm going to be there. That's not always the case with Bible study. We kind of right. beg for people to come. Now right. you're saying, I want you to be here and here's a role for you to do, which we right. all know gets people hooked. Like, Oh, I'm a part right. of this. Oh, okay. I guess right. I'll show up. Yeah. And then the thought that we would do something else at some point is more than we do in, in most Bible studies. So I love that every week we're encompassing those principles. That's right. It works. Yeah. It's a process that can't fail. It's yeah. it works great. Yeah. Well, every everybody well, that's what Jesus did. <laughs> what Jesus did. I, I know people people want to know how to how to do more, right? We've we've modeled it here for the last few minutes. And I think it's great to pause and really take the time to model that because we really do want people to understand, you know, the uniqueness um, of this disciple making process. So how can they get a hold of y'all? How can they they learn more? Hey, let me let me tell you something that's so unique about DLive is that not only can you pick up a journal and do this, but the thing about DLive is we actually will come and help you launch it in your church. Mm -hmm. So it works great for pastors because the pastor and all his staff and all his family at his church from children, middle school to senior adults, you know, that's unique because we don't have a lot of things where we all come together as a family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so this is, you know, D-Life does. You can come together. We can come do a D-Life boot camp for you, help you launch D-Life into your church. And everyone is trained at the same time. And we actually have a, a time to model it so people understand it. We have a lot of fun time to understand it, share how to do it. So by the time we leave, you're ready. You know yeah. how to do it. And so um, Bill and I can come do that 
for the pastors, or we have several D-Life trainers um, around that can also do that. And yeah. um, and we're only a phone so call. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you, you know, we have a D-Life training notebook and you would, you know, get this to the people that come to the training and we teach them the six practices of disciple making. We model this twice. We do a men's group and Rondi does a ladies group and a D-Life boot camp. We usually do those on Saturday morning from like uh, 8.30 to 12.30 or 9 to 1, or we can do some of them on Sunday afternoons from 4 to 7.30. And we've led hundreds of these all over the country and they go very well. They're very well attended. And our goal, when you walk out of that D-Life camp, our goal is not to talk about disciple making, but to train you to be a disciple maker for the rest of your life. And when you walk out of there, you'll believe that you can do it and you'll know how to do it. And you'll be able to take the curriculum and, and use it. So uh, we'd love to come and uh, we can do associational training. We can do training for your church. We can do statewide training. But uh, you can learn more about the curriculum. You can learn more about the training at livethedlife.com. So go to livethedlife, that's all one word, dot com. And you can read about DLife. Our contact information is there. Uh, you can call us. And we'd love to talk to you about it and help you get started. Well, Ray Sullivan, Discipleship Consultant in the Southeast Region, and um, I'm PJ Dunn, and I'm the Discipleship Consultant in the Southwest Region, and what we do as consultants is help connect churches to those resources, and so uh, we really appreciate your time today to do that, and, and we're available in your region to help you get connected to uh, the Wilkes's. So, Bill and Rondi, thank you so much for your time on this broadcast, and we, our prayer is that you would go uh, and make disciples, not simply participate in discipleship, but go and make disciples. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank what you a so joy. Much. Appreciate you so much. Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org slash discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple makers.